Hello, and welcome back to Playlisted. Uh, I am Denise, your host, and I'm super excited about today's episode because not only do I have a really fantastic guest who I do not know how to intro because her name is Charlene, but that's <laughs> the most awkward thing that I could possibly say because I know her as Sharksh. So I know it's an awkward uh, nickname, but there you have it. So... Sharks, welcome to Playlisted. Thank you, Denise. I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, Sharks is a former uh, housemate of mine, and so one of the things that I miss the most about living with you is um, that you would not only sing in the shower, but you could pretty much tell if you're home by whether or not there was somebody singing in the house. So I have a question for you to kind of introduce you musically to my listeners, uh, or at least the ones that don't already know you. Uh, what are you singing right now? What are you singing around the house? Um, for the last year, Chance the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> for the last week, Jamila Woods. So the same thing? Yeah. Because you've been singing Sunday Candy, I assume, or what What other Chance the Rapper songs? Um, Sunday Candy's a little bit last year now, Denise, but... Um, <laughs> True. Being, you did say singing, for the last year. <laughs> <laughs> singing Show Me Love is, like, my new Sunday candy. Mm-hmm. And um, his new album, like, everything on it. Beautiful. Yeah. Coloring book is pure magic. Pure magic. And what have you been especially singing from uh, from Jamila Woods' Heaven? Oh. You know what? Right now, I'm singing... Her. I can't sing that without her currently. Right. I don't know it well. Enough. Fair enough. So you just put the whole thing on and yeah, let it infiltrate your brain. Until I know them well. <laughs> right. Better. Right. Fair enough. That's a good way to learn. So another thing that you should probably know about Sharks before we get started is that she is probably most passionate about choir than anything else. Um, how did you? get involved in choir initially, and why do you like it so freaking much? <laughs> um, I got involved in choir when I was 14, because I joined the choir like you, and um, it just became increasingly a bigger deal in my life, until it was like the only reason that I went to school. <laughs> um, and then... After that, I went to UBC and joined their choir, and I found Coastal Sounds, which was the choir of all choirs. As you know, that's when I started living with you. (laughs) Um, And I love it for so many reasons. It is hard to sum up. Um, But I just love uh, interacting with music that way, like stripping it down, building it back up, and doing it with people is super important to me. Hmm. I like that. So this is why... Uh, I have Sharks on here to talk about um, songs with choir. And when we started coming up with some playlists, we realized that we really needed to break it down into some smaller categories. So today we're going to be talking about pop and R&B songs with gospel choirs. Gospel pop, choral pop, some version of that. But um, And part of the reason that we are honing in on that is because we have, you know, probably like at least one or two more episodes that could possibly be in the future. One for sure being uh, hip hop featuring choirs. And then the third 
a kind of theme that kept coming up was songs with children's choirs specifically. So, you know, at some point, maybe we'll have to continue the series. (laughs) (laughs) So pop. So all of the songs that we have, all these songs have kind of had some level of, of success. Not that, not because that was a rule for us, but just, you know, pop, pop songs. Um, these aren't going to be kind of your really random. Yeah. They're all pretty well known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm starting us off actually. Um, with the first song that I thought of, it kind of introduces uh, another theme that's kind of popped up in these songs, whether we were looking for it or not. And um, and so the song is Madonna's Like a Prayer. And um, I mean, it's really kind of quintessential pop song that uses choir. Um, and it uses a gospel choir in such a way that is like really supposed to be featuring this sense of gospel because she's playing off of all these religious images and themes so yeah I don't know what what's your kind of background with the song sharks I just always thought of it like a party anthem like Mm. it's the song that you sing at the top of your lungs and of course the use of choir makes it just that much more epic (laughs) that's true that's like every song it and and they all like a lot of them build to it although this one has kind of choir a little bit more throughout but some of these songs that we're going to listen to you don't even know they have choir until you know there's like a key change and (laughs) it's like a hilariously epic part at three quarters of every song where they need to have the choir and the clapping we need to up this game yeah the other thing that i just find really interesting about this song is because it kind of plays off of this like the gospel side of things or the religious side of things. But then it also is kind of critiquing at least the Catholic church. I mean, this was very controversial when it came out. People were really upset, especially with the music video that, you know, features a burning cross and, um, oh, God forbid Madonna, like making out with a black man, you know, it's the worst possible thing that, um, I don't know, the world of MTV could possibly, I don't know. It was just, it was super scandalous at the time. I, I played this at a party recently because, you know, it is a really great sing-alongable party anthem, like you just said. Yeah. And he came up to me and he said, this was the moment where I decided I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stay in the church anymore because of the reaction to Madonna. And oh. yeah. And he said, like, I was just a kid, but this was the moment where I had to walk away because if the church couldn't be a place where it could hear a, a really valid critique of itself, he didn't want to be among people that were throwing out a pop song over that, which I thought was really interesting. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, the music video is actually super trippy. And I didn't realize I didn't realize how controversial this song was, actually, because it's one of those songs I love that has, like, super dark, kind of messed up lyrics, but it's in an upbeat way, mm-hmm. so it tricks you. That's really interesting you said that, because that's totally the theme of the next podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> awesome. You're advertising for my, for my next podcast episode without even meaning to. You're welcome. Yeah.
how much else I want to talk about Madonna. I I'm not the biggest fan, but I do. I love I love 80s Madonna, which is kind of ironic because it's definitely before she could even sing. But I I do love this like image and this way that she kind of carved out space for women in pop music and uh, especially kind of female sexuality in in pop music. I think. Right, like the big icons that did a lot more. That like now when we look at it, it doesn't seem that big a deal or that controversial, but they paved the way. Right, for sure. So you know the importance of cone boobs and all that jazz. <laughs> but yeah, so why don't we um, transition to what we have next? Okay, so uh, my pick was "Losing My Way" by Justin Timberlake, and it features a choir with an epic name. It's called. Um, the Love Fellowship Crusade Choir. Whoa, that is epic. <laughs> um, and, okay, the song is so funny to me because it's like this, well, compared to the whole album, it's like this stripped down, really simple, kind of humble song about um, a guy who is telling a story about how meth ruined his life. Mm-hmm. And um, the opening line is, hi, my name is Bob and I work at my job, which is Hard for me to swallow lyrically. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like Um, a parody of itself almost. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um. Anyways, when the let's skip to the part when the choir finally comes in. (laughs) For sure, for sure. This is one of those ones where we really have to wait for it. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm not sure with all these songs. Songs of it's my choir bias. Mm, (laughs) Like, I think it gets way better when the choir comes in because. when they finally come in and start singing the hook that he was singing the whole time, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm down, I believe it, you know? Right. Now we're all losing our way. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, I think it also, that's another thing that the, the, the choir actually does in the song is brings it into our own voice, right? Like, it takes it from yeah. this individual that's telling us a story, and then it brings us into the, like congregation, if you will, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was really funny that you chose the song because I totally forgot about it. Like, but because it's so out of place on future yeah. sex love sounds, I I just didn't even remember it. Like, it's just not what I think of when I think of this album. <laughs> it's such a funny, like, misplaced song on that album. Right. Like, the fact that this is on the same album as Sexy Back, that's just yeah. really strange. But yeah, I really, I really dig it a lot, and it does, it does kind of kick it into a different gear, not just. Um, not just in terms of the energy, but I think like what you said, like it, um, it puts the, the prayer and the feeling of like hopelessness and like looking for other people in the midst of the mess. It like makes it way more, um, relatable and like, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like that, that use of repetition at the end, again and again, I actually find that so effective. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it, when it was just him, it was like, I don't know your story, and I, like, I'm sure you are losing your way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. This song also totally made me think. I almost changed the rest of my songs on this playlist um, because I, um, I was like just uber aware of the fact that I had chosen a bunch of songs that totally date me. But I guess it also makes sense for our age difference. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace the fact that I was raised on 80s music <laughs> and early 90s music and just deal with it, right? But to be fair, you chose your songs first, so I would have chosen, like, I would have made sure Michael Jackson was in there. Yeah, fair enough. That's what I was hoping for, actually, when I was like, oh, I'm just going to take these easy ones away so that you can have more fun and and come up with interesting things, but I still... But now you've given away that Michael Jackson's on this playlist. Shit! Oh, no. (laughs) And I swore. (laughs) What song will it be? Oh, no, now I need to click the little explicit tag when I add it to iTunes. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> Some of the songs that I pick on these need the explicit anyway, so it's all good. But not on this one, because they're all beautiful prayers, um, which is which is maybe, I don't know, this is less of a straight-up prayer, but, um, but also kind of in some ways uh, the most, like, quintessential gospel pop song um and that's i believe i can fly by r kelly from the dearly beloved space jam soundtrack um which i could not help but but pick um because i mean for crying out loud r kelly like on his knees in the middle of a basketball court like (laughs) this is the image that i have every time i i listen to the song or i remember you know the scenes where like baby baby Michael Jordan is playing basketball in his backyard or like on his um driveway. Um I knew those would be your favorite. Right? This song is just so I think it's just so nostalgic for me because it's paired with the movie. Um but also because um I mean I think so by the time this song came out, my my other picks are very much influenced by the fact that I have three older brothers that were teenagers in the eighties. Um, so by the time like R. Kelly was making music, this was my music. I like, I loved, I loved it. And it was music that I didn't have to argue my parents with my parents about, um, (laughs) because it kind of sounds gospel. (laughs) Like it sounds Christian, um, which, you know, was a sticking point with my parents. So, um, so yeah, so there's just something that's like, um, that I have a kind of a sort, a soft spot for with this song. Um, and then most recently, which I was talking to you about earlier, but I'm really sad that you haven't seen this episode for Kimmy Schmidt fans out there. Um, there's this amazing parody of this song that's, I'm convinced I can swim, which just is like brought back this like appreciation for the song, I think, or just a reminder of how kind of ridiculous this song is (laughs) (laughs) a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it is ridiculous. And in the music video, he is like so sincere. <laughs> like literally, half the scenes he's standing in what is that a cornfield or something, and he's like yeah. holding up his arms. And I literally like, does he actually think he can fly? <laughs> I think he does. There are moments. <laughs> I think he really does. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I also think it's just like 
the irony of having R. Kelly, of all people, being the yeah. spokesperson for this kind of song. Like, <laughs> talk about somebody with some pretty uh, sketchy <laughs> morals and ethics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we all just want to fly, no matter who we are. We all just want to fly. I believe I can fly. Ooh. Hey, cause I believe in you. Oh, if I can see it. It's a great moment, hey? I just lost my mind. Like It was very realistic though, right? Like wouldn't you just that's be exactly so- how I like to be conducted. <laughs> wouldn't you just be so inspired if R. Kelly just started waving his arms in front of you? He does that motion that's like, give me more, give me more choir and then he just like stops and starts singing and pretending he can fly. <laughs> I think he's like flying on the the voices of the choir you know like he just can't help himself Uh he has to stop waving his arms because he's just like being lifted on the on the voices it's it's beautiful really it is yeah beautiful do you not did you when you watched it did you not feel like any of that like old like actual inspiration or like that or were you just like 100% this is the most ridiculous thing how in the world did we take this seriously oh man yeah I feel bad because actually when I did when Space Jam came out and when this song came out I I know I would have like 100% authentically believed this song yeah (laughs) I have to say upon revisiting it (laughs) I may not have um, experienced the same sincere beliefs Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. sorry, Denise. It's okay. I'm just kind of, I'm curious. Like, I, my confession is that as much <laughs> as I can make fun of this and laugh at it, it still, like, warms my heart. Like, it actually warms my heart. It makes me feel like I could fly. <laughs> Which I hate. I hate the fact that I'm admitting that right now. <laughs> like, I'm not going to jump out of a window or anything. You don't have to be concerned for me, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that they're making a new Space Jam with LeBron James? Are they? Oh they man, are. I would watch that. Would you? <laughs> Actually, I would too. <laughs> I totally will, but I so will cool. also judge it like crazy. Yeah, so let's move on. I'm up. The next one that I chose is It Don't Have to Change by John Legend. Yes. That I can tell you that I feel truly 100% behind and like embarrassingly nostalgic about I think I felt nostalgic about the song the first time I heard it and I just never heard it before but it's like there's certain songs that I'm a sucker for and this mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. so it like it just sounds like you're in the room with them when they sing it because 
that there's like background noises and everyone's talking and then he's like, all right, come on, everybody, or something like that. Like, Let's get started. And then he just starts playing. Then everyone joins in with him as one should if one person starts singing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, it really kind of creates the family, that sense of family that yeah. he's even singing about. It does feel like it doesn't feel so much like we're in church singing a gospel song. It sounds like we're in a living room or like around a kitchen table and we've yes. finished eating and we feel so good. And now we're just going to start singing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, you're supposed to have that feeling, right? Like it is, it is nostalgia. Like it's like a, a nostalgic song about nostalgia. <laughs> yes. About like, let's get back to those days where we really wanted to spend time together and we love each other and, and you know, everything was perfect. Yeah. But when was that is what I want to know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's, I think this song diverges from the theme of like spiritual yearning hmm. and like doubt and confusion and wanting God because it's like painting the ideal picture of their childhood and then saying like now times is hard and mm. things are changing, but we want that back. So they're probably romanticizing their past, but that's okay. Like, do you think he's singing about just a family that doesn't get along anymore? Or do you think he's talking about society at large? Like, do you think it's a metaphor? Hmm. This is what I want to know. Well, clearly I took it very much at face value. But, but I think that's okay. I think it could be. I don't know. This is a question I'm only asking now. I don't know what I think. <laughs> Maybe this is kind of what you were saying about your childhood, like kind of idealistic view of things. Maybe it's just like wishing you could go back to that, but not on a ignorant kind of level or like, but like you wish that those idealistic visions of how things were, were actually true now that you're grown up and you've seen that actually, you know, uncle Jim thinks, you know, (laughs) uncle Gary is a total dick. And (laughs) And uncle John's not actually the most talented person in the family. Yeah. Although, he probably is. For sure. (laughs) Did you know that, so, I was, like, trying to find what choir was in the song, but it's actually just his family, the Stevens family? It actually is. I saw saw that it was featuring the Stevens family, but I didn't know if that was a a choir or what. I was like, what choir is that? It's his family. His real name is Johnny Stevens. No. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful little bit of trivia I've ever heard there you go Bill Johnny Stevens his real family in that recording it was so long ago and so much has changed I wanna go back wanna go back to those simple hundred children and then form them into uh, a gospel choir of yes. beautiful human beings. And he was um 
the conductor and pianist at his church choir. I did know that, yeah. A legit conductor, not R. Kelly conductor. <laughs> <laughs> but even R. Kelly learned to sing in church. You know, yeah. all, all these fantastic musicians, right? And so, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm finally going to re- reveal, I'm finally going to reveal my Michael Jackson pick, which is really probably not a surprise to anybody, either that Michael Jackson is on here or the, the song choice. Um, and that's Man in the Mirror, which is like possibly one of the most beautiful, vulnerable songs to ever be played on the radio, I think, personally. So anyway, I love the song, but as a quick, like, just fun trivia before I, you know, start sobbing or something, um, uh, this, this choir actually that sang for Men in the Mirror, I did a little bit of, uh, choral research as well. Not very much, not as much as you, but, um, but the same choir that's in Man in the Mirror is actually the same choir that's in, um, Like a Prayer. So apparently the Andre Crouch gospel choir was the only ones recording with pop artists in the eighties. So cool. They got good gigs. They got some good gigs. Um, and I mean, they sang with Andre Crouch was, who's a, who's amazing, um, gospel singer. And I think he just like died fairly recently, maybe a couple years ago. Anyway, just some random trivia, but yeah, this is. Can I add to that trivia? Oh, please do. It's the same choir that sang in the Lion King. (gasps) That's right. Oh my gosh. They really got some good gigs. Magic. It's another song we should have added on here. <laughs> Circle of Life. It's Disney song featuring in choir. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that can be part of another <laughs> episode in this little series. But it's almost like overwhelming to talk about um, Michael. But yeah, I think this song kind of did amazing things for pop songs to allow us to be introspective because it's not a prayer in the same way as losing my way or um I mean not that any of these like song prayers are the same but this one is much more of a um it's looking at the ways that we can answer our own prayers almost like looking at what responsibility we have in our desires for a better life and world yeah and I just think that's like a really important um, piece that so often is missing, especially in in songs that we collectively sing. Like I think there is something about singing something together and realizing that our vision is we're we're not holding that vision alone. But then so often, like I mean, in with all with many, I should say, of the tragedies that have been happening um, recently in our world with Orlando and Nice, you know, there's this backlash against like, well, stop saying that you're praying, like actually do something. And I think that's what a song like Man in the Mirror actually does, is it says, well, we can actually turn our prayers to ourselves, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's like, yeah, there's direct responses, but there's also, like, things that aren't as obvious as, like, Mm. you know, for, like, direct helping, direct aid. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Like, um... Michael Jackson, for example, in and of that, like, making that song has affected change. And, yeah, he's singing about, like, actually change, like, the music video showing images that need direct, like, something needs to change. Mm -hmm. But, like, in doing what he loves and and giving that to the world, like, that's him also affecting change, I think. Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, I think the power, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, just the fact that 
in the midst of like one of the shittiest years <laughs> so far that I remember yeah. anyway. Um, we've had some of the best music come out of that in response yeah. to some of the shitty, shitty things that have happened. And, and I think that that's really necessary. And I think that those songs don't only, you know, make us feel whatever we feel. Um, and they don't only kind of call people to make change, but they all actually enable people to make change or at least have conversations, right? Like we're talking about, racism in America on a level that we haven't been able to for, uh-huh. for, you know, years because we've been forced to, um, but also because art has kind of picked it up and given us platforms and language. And so when this song came out, like you said, it was, it gave pop music the platform to do that. Was it not common? Cause now the, the theme in this song is like quite, standard it's like now it's a big theme to discuss social change in music but at the time was it totally revolutionary Hmm. i don't know that i can 100 percent speak to that really well because it came out the year i was born so (laughs) however um i will i mean on a lot of different levels like so i don't know if i would say that directly it did but in general michael jackson's thriller changed the way that radio play worked um so thriller came out at a time in radio when it was the most segregated radio had, had ever been. Um, and so there was basically black radio and white radio. Um, although it wasn't called white radio, it was called like rock and roll stations or whatever bullshit. But, um, but essentially that's what it was. And then all of a sudden thriller came out and all the white stations wanted to play this amazing game changer of a, of an album and, or like all the singles from it. And so in that way, this, this song is a part of that. But I would also say that in terms of protest music, especially, hmm, so I'm totally just, I'm just spouting, don't quote me or feel free to correct me. Um, but I think that, you know, Marvin Gaye and, um, and certain artists during the 70s were really kind of carrying this sense of protest tune, but they weren't getting played on such a massive platform as Michael Jackson got to. And so there was kind of a lull. Like, I think that this reminded us that protest music, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to call this song, but songs that really called us to our responsibility, I would say until Janet picked it up in 89. I'm trying to think of like really good protest music in the eighties. That wasn't punk you know, that wasn't like kind of sidelined to these, um, more indie genres, if you will, or like, yeah, less, less popular genres, but Michael Jackson was as pop as you get. He's the king of pop and he can, and he can do those kinds of things. I think partially because he was as successful as he was, he could kind of like poke, poke at these things that, yeah, that other artists kind of couldn't because they didn't have the platform or because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of just making some shit up a little bit, but, but I think this song (laughs) really stands out. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like he used his platform as the biggest musician ever of all time. And he made a song that was like directly personal to each individual. Like you can't ignore a call like that and say, Oh, that's not my thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, right. Yeah. So I think it's genius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and it's again it's that thing that um that we we're talking about where it like creates this um bring brings that personal conversation to a collective conversation and so he's not only modeling for us this state of vulnerability and uh and confession but he's also allowing us to sing it ourselves by using a gospel choir and i think it's absolutely genius i think this is yes. one of the best songs ever yeah you're so it's actually like the imagery is so personal because it's like he paints a picture of this man like staring at himself in the mirror and then this message becomes like unignorable mm-hmm. so clear and then so it is like it's like literally a guy in his bedroom and then it becomes <laughs> on such a larger scale right yeah like the mirror image too like it is the most private place where your mirror is it's like yeah. you just you and yourself beautiful back to us Michael and bring Prince and Whitney with you please we can't do this without you (sighs) so yeah I mean especially after this conversation so far I feel like we did do a really good job at you know not to like stroke our egos too too much but we did a really good job at putting this like order together I think because because we get to end with a song that I think kind of sums up where we are, you know, like personally, but in our worlds, um, and brings together so many of those themes that have already shown up in, in the songs so far. So tell me what your last song is, what we're going to end with. Um, our last song is still haven't found what I'm looking for by you too. Um, it, I think you're right. It is more appropriate to end on this note than on, MJ's note, even though it would have felt better to end on that, but, like, clearly we are still just as much in the darkness Mm. and um, are still, like, society as a whole is still yearning for things that have not come. Mm. And this song was written a long time ago. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's such similar themes, right? It's, like, the reflective, like, a giant megastar being reflective and um, using the themes of yearnings mm-hmm. with a choir. Oh, and um, the version that you should play is, um, your podcast is um, not from the Joshua Tree where it originally came out, yeah. but from their Rattle and Hum album, because that's where the, like, there's an actual gospel choir in it. Right, totally. Yeah, the Rattle and Hum, everything that they do on that album is, is so much more epic, and that includes this song. Does the original yeah. version not have, it still has choir, doesn't it? No, you might be right. I could not be listening. I could just not be hearing enough. Maybe it just, we, 
assume that it should have it because we've heard this other version, but also because it was really made for a choir. Yeah, totally. perfect i mean i know like you two whatever like christians like you two a lot and sometimes that makes me like them a little bit less because i'm a terrible person like that but um but i do really like the way that this song is um it's it's basically a psalm like and i think that we forget that prayer really is this kind of desperation of just kind of admitting our sense of hopelessness and yet when you're singing about hopelessness with a congregation or a choir or what have you it feels slightly less hopeless oddly enough you know like it's not like this song gives us anything hopeful like it doesn't give us any thing to look forward to really i feel hopeful creating such beautiful music around the theme of hopelessness that for me it's like saying one there's like almost a reason like if you're gonna ask the why question like why do we suffer mm-hmm. that is like somehow weirdly touched for me like maybe so that we can create beautiful music and art out of it huh. and um also like when you're singing with people you're like enacting hope so you can sing about literally any of the most hopeless topics but I, for me it's like physically impossible to not feel hopeful right and i hate when people tell me to feel hopeful in bad circumstances <laughs> <laughs> no doubt that that can be the worst thing ever yeah <laughs> yeah but i know what you mean there's something that's hopeful or at least encouraging when you realize that you're not alone in your hopelessness or your darkness or whatever you know yeah it's and that like, connection you can people. be told that but you can also just experience it oh yeah no and i think it's not help, not helpful to be told that necessarily yeah. but this is the the experience of that right like um, do we want to end with some, like, um, you know, songs that we missed? Oh, yeah. Or, I don't know. We don't have to, because we're probably going to, you know, fit them into other episodes. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. There were lots of songs that were kind of circulating in our, in our mind. Yeah, it was hard to find songs that actually a gospel choir was paid to sing on. Right. Because a lot of the songs that I immediately thought of as songs with, like, epic gospel backings were just vocals, obviously. (laughs) Right. um, So Lauryn Hill's To Zion was the very first song I thought of and then couldn't use, technically. The other one that I thought of when I was really, like, trying to make myself pick a newer song was, um, uh, what's his face? Sam Smith's uh, Stay With Me. 
and that's like a, yeah, that also kind of works with all of our themes and stuff. Um, but I just, I couldn't, I didn't know how to drop one of, one of my huh. older classics. Yeah. It wasn't quite good enough. And it didn't kind of speak into some of those deeper themes. Not that they all do, but I think they work together well, the, the songs that we did pick. But anyway, Stay With Me by Sam Smith was definitely a contender. I forgot that has a choir in the background. For sure, yeah. I think it's another one where you have to wait for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, stay tuned. We're going to have to um, definitely have you back to do the our hip-hop choir songs because yeah. we already have songs picked, although <laughs> I'm sure they could have changed. There's already been so many great hip-hop songs with choirs that have come out even in the last little while. Yeah, it might have to be an extended episode. <laughs> it might have to be, yeah. Maybe we should just do Kanye songs with choirs and Chance yeah. the Rapper songs with choirs. <laughs> Whole episodes we just... <laughs> oh, anyway, we'll we'll definitely figure that out and come up with something and do this again because um, it's been a lot of fun. It's just a good excuse to talk music with you on, yes. on uh, FaceTime here, which is really kind of one of the reasons I started this podcast anyway was an excuse to talk music with people like you that I don't get to see all the time anymore. I have an excuse to do it exclusively and not talk about anything else. Right? It's great. Yeah, it's the best. It's great. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. I loved it. Yeah, that's it for this week. You've been playlisted.